Hello and welcome to a special edition of Rank and Review. This episode, Festival of the Dead Part 1. Now look kids, I've done over 50 episodes of Rank and Review and I've released an episode every two weeks for like almost two years. And yes, today we're having a clip show. But I'd like to think that we're having the ultimate clip show. I am a huge zombie fan and anyone who listens to this podcast probably already knows that. And what I've done is I have culled 18 zombie movies from the first 50 episodes of Rank and Review. And I've discluded the two zombie episodes that were featured just exclusively on that topic. I have 18 movies on zombies, and I've controversially perhaps included the three Evil Dead films in this as well. After two episodes of revisiting these reviews, I will rank all 18 of these movies from top to bottom. We're not going to get through all 18 in one episode, obviously. And I'm not going to make you wait a long time to get to the next episode either. So bear with me for the next couple of episodes for this clip show, which I do think you'll enjoy. And then we'll get back to some brand spanking new episodes of Rank and Review. This is going to rank me some time so I can enjoy my vacation and I can produce some new episodes for you guys to enjoy. So this is your host and Random Canadian Larry Parsons thanking you for listening and hoping you'll bear with me. And uh, I'll be back with new material in a couple of weeks. In the meantime, enjoy Festival of the Dead, Part 1. epidemics, climate change, and dwindling resources. But those are the least of our problems. Welcome to Zombieland. No, that was it for Rowan. Okay. Uh, next on the list is Zombieland. Uh, this movie I saw in the theaters and and loved it. Uh, it's uh, and it's a great movie to see in the theaters because it's just uh, color and action and style and flair and all that's good. Yeah. Movie. I'm going to be saying mostly positive things about this movie, Zombieland, the in its entirety. But the first five to ten minutes of the movie, with the opening sequence and that credit sequence is really something special to behold. <laughs> There's like a lot of 3D zombie death being dealt. And it, it still feels light and fun, as well as being horrendously violent. It's a real hard balance to find, and they somehow found it right out of the gate. Exactly. That's, that's, in fact, in some ways that made the movie harder for me to review and analyze uh, critically, is that the first... The op- again, the opening credits and, and the introductory scenes, just bam, right out of the gate. You're just you're just completely enthralled, and they're they're genius. The opening credit sequence is is funnier than than some full movies. It's true. It's just you got brilliant. your money's worth uh, yeah. right away. It reminded me actually of when obviously I was a, I was a big Lord of the Rings fan. We just talked about Peter Jackson, but we went to see the second Lord of the Rings movie, 
and uh, that opening sequence with the Balrog and, and Gandalf falling down the hole, I was like, okay, I'm five minutes into this movie, and I feel like I've got my money's worth. <laughs> That's how I felt after the opening sequence yeah, of Zombieland. Yeah, I am five minutes into this movie, and I've got my exactly. money's worth. They could just roll the credits, and just, just a purple prose, just, like, just take that out, show it anywhere, and you'd win an Oscar. It's just really great. Uh, uh, but then we get into the story. It's a story of... Uh, Jesse Eichmann. Is yes, that his name? Just, uh, just yeah. Pardon me, of course. Yeah, he's a, he's coming up in Hollywood right now. <laughs> he is, yeah. But but yeah, well, I suppose uh, the Facebook movie might have uh, social network might yeah. have increased his. Ca- but yeah, he's he's always been good. I mean, he's he's always been this this young actor. Uh, I mean, in uh, Squid and the Whale, Noah Baumbach, and uh, he's just you know playing small, quiet roles. Some people call him the uh, poor man's Michael Sarah, but no, he's he's got more. He's, 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 he's a different actor. It's an interesting movie called Roger Dodger with him and yes. Campbell Scott. I, I like him, but I do think that to a large extent he's one of these actors who he's playing Jesse Eisenberg in every role. You know, mm-hmm. I don't really see him disappearing into a part, but he does his Jesse Eisenberg thing well enough that I have no complaints. You know, yeah. and he's our, he's our narrator for this movie. In some ways, this is a zombie survival guide, and you just know that there are uh, people out there who are studying this movie just in case. <laughs> I mean, he, he gives advice on, on how to survive a zombie apocalypse. And uh, it's... Good it's practical advice. Good practical advice, exactly. exactly. I mean, uh, I, I, had, I think the only one that I had any kind of real beef with was, was Beware Bathrooms. <laughs> um, that's, I think, his own phobia is coming through. <laughs> but I also like the way they did that sort of pop-up video style, that whenever he uh, would mention one of his rules, we would see text pop up on screen. And it's like, for anybody at home taking notes, you know? <laughs> um, yeah, uh, nobody's given real names. They're basically given the name of the place they come from. Um, but uh, Jesse uh, Eisenberg ends up uh, meeting up with Woody Harrelson. And I'm going to say that Woody Harrelson in this movie may have found the funnest role of his career. And arguably, like, if you could play any role in any movie, like, it would be a hard one for me. Like, uh, <laughs> Indiana Jones in Raiders of the Lost Ark or the Woody Harrelson character in yeah. Zombieland. Like, as far as level of sheer enjoyment being and executing the film, like, that would be a blast of a part to have. And, uh... Woody Harrelson plays it very straight, but I, I, I have to believe he was having a good time while he did it. It didn't feel like a paycheck performance to me. <laughs> yeah, and... Tallahassee. I Tallahassee, that's, name, that's, yeah. that's the man, yeah. And just, yeah, just a cool, cool man. Um, yeah, so so Columbus meets up with Tallahassee. Uh, I, I love that showdown. I love that standoff between the two characters first meet. It's just... I mean, and... and the whole movie, well, I shouldn't say the whole movie plays real. I guess it does. Like, you believe the characters. It's the characters real enough for the world that exactly, they're showing us. Exactly. It's not the real world, but it's it's the world of zombie land, yeah. and we buy it enough. Yeah, and I meet up with uh, these two, Emma Stone and Abigail Breslin. And, uh... Abigail Breslin, of course, our Little Miss Sunshine, and Emma Stone, the wet dream of <laughs> every, you know, <laughs> young was, adult male in the world was, right now. Yeah. <laughs> so... Uh, yeah, it, it's interesting. The female characters, and if there's a problem with the movie, and I am saying if, it, it's with those two girls, I think. Because for the first half of the movie, they are smart, they are resourceful, they completely, like, 
run circles around the guys as far as survival skills <laughs> and, <laughs> and as far as getting things. And in the second half of the movie, they suddenly get in trouble, are really, really dumb and need very to get naive. rescued. Yeah. yeah. And that's a very abrupt shift in their characters. And it's done for no other reason than we need a big climax. Yeah. Yeah. And I would be really mad about that if not for the fact that the climax is so fucking <laughs> awesome. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. But, uh, you know, yeah, yeah the, the girls want to go to this amusement park. And it was clearly supposed to be Disneyland, right? Yeah. Um, but they couldn't get the rights to say Disneyland. They, no. <laughs> so it's whatever it was <laughs> called yeah. in the movie. I don't know if Walt would really have approved of, of this movie. <laughs> yeah, I don't think Walt would give it his thumbs up. But yeah, towards the end of the movie, they decide to go to this park. They turn on all of their rides, and they're they're riding around by themselves. They don't bring the guys with them. They're completely solo. And they attract thousands of zombies to them. Good and for us. Good, good for, for the movie, good for a climax, but as far as you know characters doing things that make sense yeah they just kind of go in there without without a thought really nope. they just kind of go hey we're gonna go ride the rides yeah hmm. now i think part of the problem if and again if that's a problem <laughs> is that this was originally like uh, proposed as a pilot for a tv show right so my guess is originally the script was an hour long and we got to meet all of our characters, right? Mm -hmm. So now we know who everybody is. They've had their first adventure together. Now let's go on to the ongoing adventures of Zombieland. Um, so if next week there was another adventure, maybe we would have, you know, it wouldn't have stood out so glaringly. But for me, yeah, my one real beef with Zombieland is that, yeah, people get stupid in the third act. Mm -hmm. But I mean, come on, the movie is so much fun. <laughs> and it has... The best cameo. It really does. In film history. Yeah. If somebody can tell me that there's a better cameo in a movie than this, I don't know if it quite qualifies as a cameo. It's certainly more than a one scene role. It's, it's maybe here for five minutes in the movie, yeah. but damn. Uh, when I saw it in the theaters, it was a surprise, but I have to believe at this point everybody knows that Bill well, Murray shows up in this know. movie. Yeah, I think so. I think so. <laughs> I do put a spoiler worry, warning you do, at good, the top good, of the good. show. Larry, so. Larry. <laughs> well, well, Some well. people don't know. But yes, yeah, so a complete surprise. I think it's appropriate to mention the Bill Murray cameo because they pay direct homage to a movie we're going to discuss in a little while here. Oh, yes. <laughs> they actually reenact bits of Ghostbusters during the, the <laughs> movie Zombieland. And Bill Murray gets big laughs out of me just being a guy standing there doing not much, you know, just being himself. Just being himself. Um, <laughs> yeah, Bill Murray as Bill Murray. I mean, come on, people. <laughs> um, and yeah, what a lucky guy are you that you got two movies out of your picks with the with that have <laughs> the Bill in them. Cool. I'm sorry, I feel like I'm taking over the review. What no, are, what are um, well, um... I'm not really sure what more to say about this. In, in some ways, we were talking about plot, plot synopsis. In some ways, this might be where that falls apart. I mean, you've sort of got the introduction of the characters. You're going through this world. I, I wouldn't say it loses steam because it's always an entertaining movie. Yeah. But is it? Is it? Um, and you know, as as far as a horror goes, in some ways, it's. Uh, it gets a little bit road trippy for a while, and and you don't get that 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 danger or fear. Yeah. Um, Nobody has a real destination. The girls did want to get to that play park. They did want to get to the amusement center, but like, really, the, there's just a group of people that found each other and uh, eventually decide that they need to get along and and you know, mm -hmm. work together to stay alive. But. No, really. the The strongest arc of the movie is Woody Harrelson's character's quest to get a Twinkie. Yeah. Uh, there's not a lot of driving, like uh, 
one scene to the next. They're not on the heels the whole movie. The, the zombies sort of show up when needed yeah. and disappear when they're not. Yeah. But uh, again, the the goal this movie sets is to keep a smile on your face and to bring the red and to, you know to be a fun, funny zombie movie. And in that count, I think it, it is very successful. Wake up! He's Mutt and Jeff. He'd move a bit quicker if it was dinner time. Pardon? There's zombies everywhere. Zombie? What are you going on about? Oh, 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 it's a zombie. Oh, oh. Hi, Granddad. Boys, now you're talking my language. You've got to shoot him in the head. We know where to shoot them. There's a lot of Trafalgar's out there. Trafalgar Square. Fox and Air. Needle and Stitch. Abercrombie and Stitch. Abercrombie and Zombie. 89mm. Oh, that was really sad, man. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so here comes our second zombie movie. Um, I think that this one acquits itself significantly better than the first. That said, if this was in a different list of movies or a different list of zombie movies, I wonder how high it would rank. But again, this is another case clearly of a very micro-budget zombie movie. I think they had a little bit of money to play with, but not a whole ton. But that has a much better understanding of what it is as a zombie movie. This is a zomcom. It's not a zom-rom-com. It's just a zomcom. <laughs> yes. We're going to see a zombie scenario, which is familiar. We're going to have a group of blokes in this case, you know, cockneys, surprisingly, okay. um, who were initially involved in a bank heist because they're trying to save their grandfather's uh, retirement home. But that gets interrupted by the zombie apocalypse. And it goes from, we got to get granddaddy some money, is we just got to go get and save granddaddy. Um, the movie moves fairly fast. I think that the actors, for the most part, are dealing with a slightly better script, yes. uh, but just generally are, are, are better on their game. Mm -hmm. um, I still think that it has some creaks and moans as far as like the execution. Some of the special effects are very CG for my liking. But if we're going to look at it on a list that contains movies like Humans vs. Zombies, <laughs> yes. this is brilliant by compare, yes, by contrast. Yes, yes, yes. In of itself, I think it is adequate, but I am more than willing to hear a second opinion. <laughs> so. Okay. Um, actually, I really liked this movie. Nice. And I don't know if it's because I had no you know, expectations at all of it. I kind of thought before I even put it in, that it was going to be terrible. Right. So, so my mind, like, I really liked it. I thought it was funny. Um, I liked the plot line. I thought the dialogue and the characters were awesome. And um, I, I really think it took, like, a, a kind of unique spin on the zombie plot in some ways. Yeah. So, yeah, I was a fan of it. And surprised, I was surprised myself yeah. that I liked it as much as I did. This is much like when I talked about Humans vs. Zombies, another one of these showed up on the shelves fairly cheap. I gave it a little bit more serious look because it's a British film. It's not, you know, from 
you know, some TV movie or, or some label never heard of, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that I like sort of the, uh, again, this is sort of true of most zombie movies, the initial stages where the outbreak is just starting to happen, yeah. but people haven't caught on yet. Yeah. Um, and particularly sort of the revelation of the tomb or whatever it is that's dug the up. The plague pit. Yeah. Yes. The, the two guys go inside and uh, there's a bunch of bestial bones. And the first zombie we see is like barely functioning. You know, like it's like this, yeah. it's a skeletal, dirty. Yeah. I had some problems rod with. puppet thing. Yeah. With that. <laughs> but I liked like how far degraded that zombie was because I'm so used to just seeing people with a makeup splatted on their face walking. How do they make a zombie like. How does that. Zombie even become animated. That's yeah. what I'm wondering. There's because no muscle had, tissue there. It had I don't get it. been down there for so long that it was <laughs> barely a few more years and it would just be a skeleton. Yeah. Is what they were going for. But how does it take down two construction workers? Like, I just don't understand well, that they, if they, it's that frail. That's why they cut to the exterior and we hear a scream because <laughs> okay. that's how he got them. Because he <laughs> okay. got them. <laughs> okay, okay. Because the zombie apocalypse had to start that. somewhere. Okay. <laughs> But it's interesting because we have another band of sort of people who, on the surface, should we like? I mean, it's nice that they care enough about their granddad that they're going to rob a bank, but it's kind of not cool that they're going to rob a bank. (laughs) The fact that he has at arm's length a crew of people, including this psycho with an iron plate in his head. No, Tracy's the gun. Right. Yeah, Mental Mickey. Mental Mickey with the the plate in his head and the, like, uh, what was it, uh... Like a, a container, a ship container oh, yes. full of weapons. Again, very convenient guy to know in a zombie apocalypse if you want to rob a bank. But mm-hmm. between his actions throughout the story, like, why else would you know this guy? Unless you, you know, were in that world. Yeah. He, he was like... Working against the tide as far as how crazy he was, <laughs> you know, yeah, it was true. helpful in that he brought some guns, but other yeah. than that, he was mainly a detriment to everything right. that was going on. <laughs> it really was. Well, I kind of took it as like the, the Cockney culture, right? They were all somehow like criminals in some way. Like even at the retirement home, a lot of the people that were there were, you know... They had I, a rough <laughs> charm to them. They did. They were former gangsters or drug dealers, yeah. you know, in this retirement home. And so, and even with the flashbacks of um, uh, the two main characters... Their parents, right? They, you know, there's that flashback where they, you know, they're taking on the police and stuff. So I think their family is immersed in that kind of criminal culture to yeah. some degree. So I, I believed the whole mental Mickey kind of. <laughs> <laughs> they just knew that yeah. guy because he yeah. was in their world. Exactly. Yeah. I kind of. I also got to say from a plot point, and again, this is yeah. me looking for stuff to, 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 and it's not really criticism, it just occurred to me. Okay. One of the places that you don't want to go. When the zombies come. Just a zombie tip for when it okay, comes. Okay, okay. Old age homes. <laughs> okay. I actually would probably not go there. Yeah, I'd yeah. still be second to a hospital. Right, right. <laughs> but yeah. like, that's where dead people are. Yeah. Or people who are going to die. That's and true. you're sort of living in an environment where you're not going to be able to run to the store to get Betty her pills. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, so... Yeah. <laughs> it's actually... Probably one of the worst places you go. I guess yeah. I get the idea of let's go there and save Grandpa, but it's basically let's get there and stay with these old people and live with them. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a realist in this surreal world. I'm sorry, those yeah. old folks are not going to last very long in this new <laughs> in the new world order. It's <laughs> true, but it's you know this movie was all about family ties as well and yeah. how strong they were um, in their family. And 
there was no way that they could have left those people. You know, whatever flaws they have aside to the left and right, they were fiercely loyal to exactly, their own people. Exactly. Yeah. The rest of the world could live or die. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what. And I okay. I just have to say this is yeah a spoiler. I love like the slowest chasing ever. Oh yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> a dude with a walker against a, a enfeebled zombie yeah, yeah. and slow-mo slow-mo space yeah that was quite funny. i loved that that was great <laughs> and because of that you know the whole dynamic dynamic of having old people you, you he could play along with all those kind of things that old people have like you know hip problems yeah. and you know false legs and you know and that Added to the comedy, for sure. Yeah. And added uniqueness to the movie, movie for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the sort of main cantankerous old man, mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember the name of the actor here, and failing. Alan Ford. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> he has this sort of roughness to him where everything is sort of a punishment or a sarcastic remark or calling you dumb mutt or, oh, of course I thought of that. You know, there's something... There's something about this weird grumpy charm. I, I I sort of relate it to like George C. Scott, the actor George C. Scott. Whenever you see him, he's kind of got this. But beyond that, you kind of get the feeling like he's an okay dude. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I kind of get the feeling like Ellen Ford was going there, but for me, mm-hmm. I still kind of thought he was a dick. <laughs> like, I, I never got past the bark to the heart underneath. He just yeah. sort of seemed like a harsh fellow. Oh. And it's interesting because in a lot of ways, he's the anchor of the movie. He's the reason that all of this action is taking place, right? right? right. Um, and uh, because I had a low stakes in that character, when they try to do that big moment for him at the end of the movie where, yeah. oh no, he's going to sacrifice himself to save the rest of the group, yeah. but then he doesn't. Yeah. Uh, both the impact of him dying wouldn't have been that strong to me, but the impact of them thinking he was dead and then he shows up and he's okay, I was kind of like, uh, well, the credits are about to roll, we'll give it a pass. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> but, I don't know, I don't think that that, that particular ca- character worked as well for me. Okay. But other things, we talk about obvious setup and Smackdown in Smackdown in Humans vs. Zombies with the, I like to shoot you in the head, oh, mm-hmm. you know, it's going... I love that Mental Mickey turns out to be this really problematic zombie. I love it. I <laughs> love it. He's got a metal plate in his exactly. head. They keep trying to shoot him in his head, and the bullets keep deflecting. You know, <laughs> I, know. <it's> a, <laughs> I love that. It's one of those things where they set that up, and we should have seen it As coming. Told, yeah, but I, I didn't. Know. I was I like, know. "Oh yeah, the plate in his head. Yeah. Good call." <laughs> and I have yeah. not seen that before. I know, right? Well played. Yeah. So. And that's, you know, you just moments like that. A few of those go so far to these low-budget movies, yeah. you know. A couple moments like that, I'm, I like, that's, you're, I'm on your side. I'm with you. And Cognitive vs. Zombies has enough of that to distinguish it that I'm not ashamed that it's on the shelf. Yeah. I mean, it's not one that's like, what's a zombie movie that I need to see? I'm yeah. not going to jump to Cognitive vs. Zombies, yeah. but I, I'm taking humans versus zombies off of the shelf now that it's been covered on rank and review i can't imagine another scenario where i can imagine it would be a good idea to put myself through it no so it'll be Don't like a gift it. on rank and review where someone goes zero for six i'll be like here have this it's your problem now <laughs> there we go <laughs> anyway uh is there anything else you'd like to say about cockneys versus zombies no i think i'm good yeah. um i i think it's it's worth a look it's not like i don't want to be i don't want to oversell it no but but if you're a zombie aficionado, for sure. And I and I think you can tell the love that was put into this movie as well. Like you know, they really wanted it to make be a great movie. You know, with the budget that they had. So yeah. 
I totally, yeah, I recommend it. Miles from Civilization. I have a dream for the future. A secret experiment has given birth to a new breed of fear. Bloody animals. Oh, my Lord. Is something wrong with the sheep? They attacked us. Oh, nonsense. Okay. Um, black sheep. Black sheep. Um, this was one of the movies that I was really looking forward to uh, to inflicting on somebody because um, it uh, it was kind of a second tier release here. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't even know if it had any theatrical run. It just sort of showed up on DVD one day. Uh, but uh, it, 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 I think a lot of people missed it. I and guarantee I, that. I, I I I just have to get the word out on this black sheep movie. You really have to. It's it's. <laughs> I said it to you. It's it's one of the ones that I saw a trailer for. Thought it looked bizarre. Had this phenomenal background to it with kind of Peter Jackson and Weta kind of being behind it and and well, pushing for it. Peter Jackson basically made the Weta Digital Effects Studio so he could do Lord of the Rings and yeah. The Frighteners and all of his New Zealand-based films. Yeah. Um, but sooner or later, he started making movies elsewhere, and they had to, you know, basically farm out work. So they did special effects for some of the, uh, you know, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, yeah. Narnia movies. and. Uh, but this is really interesting because now they're doing zombie sheep. Uh, the, yeah. the tagline on the uh, on the DVD: There are forty million sheep in New Zealand, and they're pissed off. It is true that sheep outnumber people in New Zealand by uh, like a fifty to one margin. That's or something that's what I hear. Yeah, it's yeah. it's a ridiculous number. Uh, and uh, you know, there's also a lot of uh, hobbits there. Apparently. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There, there a lot of hobbit car accidents and what. There were more, but the sheep ate them. <laughs> yes, I, I want to point something out. I just got to look here. The tagline's awesome. I I was blown away by where is it on? Oh, here we go. The French title, which I I almost enjoy more than Black Sheep because I heard Black Sheep and the first thing I still think of is uh, is Chris Farley and David Spade. Oh yeah. But of course, wrong movie. But the French <laughs> title is La Nuit. De Moutons, the night of the sheep. The night of the sheep. Huh? Which I, I honestly think they should have went with that. I love that title. The black sheep is is still well, good. It'll always be night of the sheep <laughs> for us. Uh, this is yes, a, a kiwi zombie movie. Although uh, they're they're sheep that are being messed with. Yeah, uh, a, a fellow returns home to the family business, which is a sheep farm, which yeah. is not. Uh, uh, unexpected, um, but he is a scared of sheep. <laughs> yes, well, his <laughs> he's his, phobic of them. His father died at the same time his brother was wearing the slaughtered carcass of his as his brother's favorite pet sheep to like scare him. So just this perfect storm of horror, yes, all happened at once, and it scarred him. <laughs> um. <laughs> So yeah, it's not a very deep movie, but you do have what is digital effects on on your side, yeah, and a genuinely like I think 
smart, stupid screenplay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, it's not reinventing the, the wheel, but it moves fast. Yes. Uh, you know who the characters are right away within a yeah. few lines coming out of their mouths. Yeah. And uh, it sets up these action pe- beats, uh, almost to the point where, like, when when we're seeing the, the picnic being set up for the big, uh, when the sheep run down the hill and just sort yeah. of mow through all of the townsfolk, you know, the second you see those chairs being set up, that that's coming. That, yeah. that scene is going to come. <laughs> it's like the template. You can connect the dots really easily, but that's part of the joy of the movie. Uh, and the wild card is that, you know, they're sheep <laughs> instead of zombies. <laughs> and it's absurd and hilarious. Yeah. And, but, but it's also somewhat played straight. Like, when the sheep bites off half a dude's face Just and he's running half. around yeah. going, ah! <laughs> <laughs> So, do we laugh? Are we horrified? What, what, do, what do you take away from this experience? <laughs> I'm more terrified of sheep than I ever was before. I, I was horrified. I, yeah, it was, it was, no. It's, uh, it's fantastic. It's, uh, it's a different, it's kind of, yeah, it's a different sort of sense of humor than you would get out of an American film crew, I'm sure. It's very playful. It's, it's like you said it's smart dumb yes it knows it's it's uh source material really well <laughs> it knows the beats it needs to do and how to twist them to create something new and still be recognizable and it does accomplish something in actually making some of the sheep sort of intimidating yeah and scary. <laughs> they're surprisingly like the the yeah, the the actual sheep themselves jumping out and and killing people, shockingly nimble creatures. Yes. <laughs> Did not realize that they could jump six feet in the air. There's any that whole again scene at the the news conference or picnic or whatever it is where the the crowd is eaten by sheep. Just the scenes where <laughs> the direction was look forward at the camera, terrified, then look to the right, terrified, and then we're gonna huck. A, a ball of wool at you yeah. fast enough that you can't tell it's not a real sheep Boom. and you're going to get knocked over. <laughs> and we're just going to repeat that a bunch. Um, surprisingly intimidating for that sort of thing. As well as the... Um, oh, I loved the scene in... Because uh, there's one character who is the, the hippie earth you know, earth lover, tree hugger guy who is trying to free the sheep but ends yes. up getting bitten by... A really awesome puppet of a of a a sheep fetus dragging its crippled limbs oh, and umbilical God. cord across <laughs> the plains, but it it crawls up and it bites him, and he uh, gains what what in a zombie movie would be you know death and zombiness, but somehow in this he becomes. The superhuman sheep man. Yes. And there's a scene where uh, the the two main protagonists are are stumbling around and they happen upon the shearing barn where they hear the clippers going <laughs> and they come in and it's it's that guy and he's fully transformed. He's he's a he's a two legged sheep. He's about seven feet tall and built like a professional wrestler now. And he's shearing himself for I don't know what reason. There's never an explanation of why he wouldn't be comfortable in his own wool. His vanity. You know, I guess something like that. He wants his humanity back. Yeah. For, I don't know. I didn't think that deeply. Uh, <laughs> uh, I tried not to, too, but, but it did cross my mind the fact that, wow, 
it doesn't seem that bad to be turned into a super sheep. That guy's kind of badass now. Um, these two classic uh, horror sci-fi tropes uh, uh, collide once again here. Science doing things that they shouldn't and experimenting with these animals in the most horrendous and cruel ways. Yeah. And then, of course, the eco-terrorists yeah. who mean well but unleash a plague by mistake. <laughs> yeah. Uh, these two conventions we've seen many, many times just rarely yeah. together like this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I really do like, yeah... Y- just like in a zombie movie, if you get bit, you're going to change. You're going to change, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, they do have some really lowbrow humor here. They do. There's more than a few sheep-fucking jokes. There's uh, several. A yeah. man gets his penis bitten off. <laughs> By the love of his life, his sheep, his sheep wife. Um, and the whole movie is wrapped up with an exploding fart. Yes. Uh, uh, there's a punchline of, of igniting... Parts. Uh, yeah. See, I say that and it makes me ashamed almost. <laughs> I, I like this movie as much as I do. But the movie, it completely works within the world of this movie, which yeah. is a complete funny, funky cartoon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's just that crazed, edgy humor that they manage to get away with yeah. because that's the movie you're watching. It's also very quick. It's 80 minutes and it oh, yeah. moves. Like, yeah. it moves. Yeah. Like. I, think, I think a lot of the lowbrow jokes... Uh, some of them, I think, have a basis in uh, a culture that we're not as familiar with. Or maybe I'm a little more. Like, I grew up on a farm, and stuff like, you know, people joking about fucking the animals, and people, you know, about animals farting and all that sort of stuff, is stuff like I grew up with. So I kind of, it almost feels like whoever was in charge grew up on a sheep farm. It's where he got the idea, pretty obviously. And it's where he got it, and he's... It's kind of a, I, I, I almost credited to him that that he got all that in because it means he really he had a story and he he had it all and he got it all on film. He he got the whole system to work with him, sort of a thing. The performances are efficient. There's nothing loudly that yeah. speaks out. There's you know archetypes: the love interest, yeah. the granny character, the good brother, the bad brother. Yeah. You know, yeah. big the, business is bad. The the <laughs> To, to use the, the phrase, the magic Negro, almost. <laughs> the, the guy who should have no skill, in this case, the, the, the farm manager, farmhand guy, who somehow manages to rig up a backpack-powered <laughs> uh, syringe machine that can cure everybody of this. He's all MacGyver on that. He's all <laughs> MacGyver on it. Yeah. He does all sorts of acrobatics, jumping in and out of a moving car, and all sorts of stuff, yeah. Um, you may not like this movie as much as we like this movie, but I guarantee you, you will not be bored by it, no. and uh, it will put a smile on your face. Yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe you won't like yourself in the morning for liking this movie, but I think it's a hard movie not to get behind. I I will also put it out there that of of the squeamish people out there, it is probably in my mind the most unrelentingly gleeful. <laughs> about kind of doing horrible things to nice things, like big, nice, fluffy sheep are eating people. And I think of that the scene where they go into the lab, and that that lamb is hung <laughs> upside down, skinned. Yeah. Its rib cage is is prized open. Its heart is still beating, so you know it's alive. And eventually, it turns to one of the characters and bleats at it. Yeah. And I'm, I I watch that with just. That's horrible. That's, that's the worst thing. Oh, and the, the there's a bunny that gets eaten just live. 
It's uh, it is not for the animal lover necessarily, <laughs> unless you got a great sense of humor. Uh, I, I don't but, think it touches the depravity of Hobo with his shotgun, but you're right. No, the level of uh, of violence in the movie is pretty surprising, I'll, considering how silly it is. In in Hobo with a shotgun, bad things happen to bad people. Yeah. I don't think m- many, if any, of the people in Hobo. In fact, I'll say none of the people in Hobo with a shotgun, except for the busload of children, maybe George <laughs> yeah. Trombolopoulos, were good people. Yeah. They got killed. Everybody is is bad, and they're kind of getting what they deserve. Yes. Black sheep is is different. Yeah, <laughs> but it is different, and I think that's sort of its strength. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> is there anything else you want to say about black sheep? Oh, I don't know. Uh, go find it. It's got to be on Netflix or something. It just <laughs> screams easy to find on that sort of service. So if you see it, make sure you watch I it. I got it for like six ninety nine, seven eleven. It's a shame. It is a sh- it's 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 awesome for us when you can get those deals, but it's a shame for what it says about the yeah. movie. Uh it's it's worth the list. My name is Malcolm Young. I possess a sacred journal hidden for decades. I read it to you now as a warning. It all started at the end of the war. I have come home to find my family in chaos. With each day, there is more of them. next movie I watched was Exit Humanity. Here we go. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> Canadian-made film, 2010, or 2011. 2011, yes. And uh, set just post the Civil War. Shot in Canada. Uh, super low budget, obviously. Super ambitious. What'd you think? <laughs> well, this movie is obviously cheap. You can see that from the very first uh, few frames. It's rough around the edges in more ways than one, both in the screenplay and in the soundtrack and the makeup, but it tries so damn hard, and that's one of the reasons why you root for it. So, like I say, it's a cheap film. This isn't necessarily a problem. I've seen lots of cheaply made movies, uh, and if you're prepared to abide some cheapness, then you might be able to give this day uh, movie its day in court. And here's its day in court. Uh, what did you think of it, Larry? Well, here's the thing. I mean, full disclosure, I'm a huge zombie fan, and I want to be supportive of super indie Canadian filmmaking because someday I would like to contribute to super indie Canadian filmmaking. So I want to like this movie, but I have a hard time just telling anyone, yeah, by all means, go watch Exit Humanity. It's all over the place and uh there are moments that i think are really really strong and uh there are other things that just don't work that should the movie is narrated and it's sort of broken into chapters by this narration from uh what's his name uh brian, uh, cox. brian cox who's an actor i really like and it is so incongruous with everything else in the movie it's 
I keep on saying it, it feels like I was watching a History Channel special yes. more than I was watching a movie. It felt like a, a reenactors instead of actors a lot of the time. Although I really did like our lead. I thought he committed really and tried really hard. He was asked to pull off a lot of real emotional stuff, and uh, he did not roll his eyes. He didn't hold his nose while he made this performance. He really gave it. Mm-hmm. And so I liked him. But the narration didn't work. The animation took you out of the movie. And uh, at just under two hours, it's... It's a slog at times. Yes, just so your listeners know what what we're talking about with the animation and narration is that the movie is framed as though it's a series a journal. of journal entries yeah. uh, by a uh, former Confederate soldier. Uh, William lived, Young. William Edward Young. Edward Young, right. Yeah, lives in Tennessee. Um, and so what we're, we're given is we're given the movie narrated by Brian Cox and the, Edward Young is also an artist as well. And he's always drawing in his journal. And so oftentimes throughout the course of the movie, we'll see the movie sequences acted out with animation. Now, I'm not entirely sure how much of this was done for the sake of art and how much of it was done for the sake of having run out of money. Because, honestly, a lot of the animation looks like storyboard art to me. What do you think? Well, I've actually, uh, in my in my official ranking and reviewing of it, what I mentioned is that at times it felt like a movie that was trying to be salvaged in the editing room. Yes. Like, they, they shot a movie, and they're like, oh, this is not quite there yet, but... Uh, we dig up some more money, we get some Brian Cox, we throw some animation here, we, we dress it up, and, uh, you know, maybe we got us a movie. I uh, can see that. That's sort of my, my thought. Uh, the other thing is, is that despite the low production value in a lot of things, I mean, uh, it's convincingly enough set historically, I think. Uh, but they also have these genre faces that show up. Bill Mosley plays sort of the evil, uh, Guy who's sort of in charge of uh, a group General of, Williams, right? General Williams, yeah. He's sort of uh, trying to find a solution to this bizarre zombie plague. Uh, and then you got Dee Wallace, who uh, I had a huge 80s crush on. She was E.T.'s mom, <laughs> and she was the mom in Cujo. And she's in lots and lots and lots of genre movies. People who are fans of horror movies see Dee Wallace a lot. And... Uh, and, you know, you get you get these, you know, genre people in there, and you don't too much with them. The, one of the huge problems with this movie is the screenplay, honestly. The, I mean, you can't really fault the dialogue, because it wasn't so bad. Uh, you can't really fault the historical setting, because once again, not so bad. The concept isn't a bad one either, but where it falls apart is in its structure. Uh, firstly, the, the about the first half an hour, maybe even more of the movie, our main character, Edward Young, spends the movie running around in the forest going, Oh! And being really sad. And by the time that's over, you just want to turn the movie off. <laughs> and then when it comes to the actual characters, yes, I can see why these are characters, but they are cartoons. Uh, General Williams in particular, we're told he's a bad guy by another character. We see him doing bad things. It's never explained. Why he is like he is. McCaddy is like the surgeon or the doctor who's supposedly looking for a cure for this. And they tried to make a sort of big moment out of his arc. And I just did not get it at Mm -hmm. all. And I like those actors again. That was the thing. It was cool to see them in the movie. I liked that they were there, but I'm not sure why they were there. Yeah. Well, with the General Williams, too, I remember there's one scene where he's just, we see him 
running around his office, tearing things apart and punching stuff and roaring. and Frustration. Yeah, yes. we realize, okay, so he's angry, but we're not entirely sure why he's angry. Is he, he's, is he angry because some people escaped? Is he angry because he has control issues? Is he angry just because he's completely crazy? Mm-hmm. The movie never addresses this. Very important to do that when you're establishing your antagonist is to explore them as a character unto themselves. So as we continue to take a large shit on Exit Humanity, I do want to say some nice things about it too. Well, go ahead. Let's hear those. I would like to hear um, what you say. First of all, uh, on a concept uh, level, and this is interesting if it was more richly explored, he's he's capturing people from the outside areas either who have ran fled from their military service or just happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time and systematically having them bitten by zombies to try and find someone who's immune i I, they never implicitly say that's what they're doing but that seems to be clear as to what they're doing it it explains why the mccaddy character feels such guilt and it explains why we're to understand uh that you know uh the the Bill Mosley character was supposed to be such a bad guy because he's so heartless as to subject these people to that. But here's the thing. Then here's what could have been an interesting twist of the screenplay. We find out that one of our little band of survivors is, in fact, immune. And that he was, in fact, going... If 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 she hadn't have been rescued and if that hadn't have taken place, he might have found that solution that he was looking for and... Contrary to being the villain of this movie, actually ended up something of a hero, despite the measures he took. There's a lot of interesting ideas here. I like some of the scenes of, uh, you know, uh, William Young walking through the cool sort of landscapes and randomly encountering zombies and dispatching them. But they're tertiary scenes in the movie. It's like between this scene and another scene, now he's in the middle of somewhere killing some zombie and then the next scene. They don't feel tied together well, but I'm telling you, isolated moments of this movie... I support, and I would I would watch another movie directed by John Geddes. I, I I don't think he is untalented. I think that uh, it's hobbled by its budget, and they tried to save it in the editing room. And what you got is Exit Humanity, which is more interesting than good. And I think if you're uh, if you're a hardcore genre fan, I'd say give it a watch. But if you're anything short of someone who loves 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 zombies, you're going to be bored to tears. Uh, well, yes. I My feelings on this movie are summed up by one scene, which happens very early on, so no no worries for spoilers here. Uh, Edward Young is searching the woods for his son, and finds his son, unfortunately, as a zombie. Yeah. And he grabs his son, and uh, in a loving embrace, tearful embrace, puts the pistol to his son's head. And the music is swelling, and there are zombies still kind of shambling towards him. So we know he has to do this quickly, but he's in a horrible emotional situation. And I'm going to quote my wife here. She turned to me at the, in the climax of the scene and said, I can see why this would be a good scene. Yeah. All of the pieces are there to make that a good scene, <laughs> but it just didn't quite hit you the way they wanted it to, did it? Yeah, it's a frustrating movie for me because unlike The Raven, I mean, I guess I wanted to like The Raven too. I mean, I like Edgar Allan Poe, but The Raven had so many things going for it already with its production design, like that I felt more disappointed by its failings than I did Exit Humanities because Exit Humanity had no money and all all the ambition in the world. 
mm-hmm. you know, uh, and I, I want to like it, but it's, it's a tough, it's a tough sell. I agree. It all goes back to the screenplay. The yeah. screenplay was, was rotten. Uh, I guess that works with the genre that we're working with here, but, uh, yeah, screenplay was bad and that drags the whole film down for me. Uh, and just one more time, I believe the lead character is Mark Gibson, the lead actor. I'm going to give some props to him for, for, for putting it all out there. He acted the shit out of that. He is asked <laughs> to emote and to scream and to cry and to look otherwise ridiculous, especially when you're on a set doing it. Like, he put his heart into it, and the end product was, I'm sure, not what he hoped it would be. But I respect the fact that he was all in, and, uh, you know, it's, it's a movie that I want to like more than I did, but... Uh Okay, um, Burial Ground, The Knights of Terror. Wow. Um, I was going off on uh, Dario Argento a little bit during the introduction here. Um, one of the many things that I do have to thank him for is sort of popularizing zombies. If not for Dario Argento, I don't think we would have got George Romero's Dawn of the Dead, and we certainly wouldn't have got the Dario Argento cut of Dawn of the Dead, which was so popular that it spawned this subgenre of Italian exploitation films. Much the way when there was a couple of, you know, successful Clint Eastwood westerns, they would then, you know, make a bunch of cheap Italian spaghetti westerns, as they were called, knockoffs. This is sort of the zombie version of that. It's not exactly like the zombie movies you're going to see and are made in the United States, um, but they're stealing a lot from that. They're just adding a lot more sleaze and uh, that really horrible pastiche of bad dubbing, which we had in not one but two of these movies to contend with. Rick, I'm sorry, but uh, it's time. What did you think of Burial Grounds? <laughs> you know, it's it's a strange thing uh, when very early in the mo- in the movie, you want everyone involved dead. <laughs> you, you really don't want anyone to make it. And at the end of this movie, you get your wish. Mm-hmm. No one survives. And you're still not satisfied. It needed more. It was... It was awful and (laughs) there was there there was moments in the film that I kept knowing I knew that I was in for a bad time I knew I wasn't going to enjoy this right at the beginning with the the unexplained professor doing research on the crypts or something you got like a Klondike beard (laughs) and when he successfully casts this spell spell okay a spell it's like that's kind of a combination of zombie and you know fantasy but whatever whatever it doesn't make any sense it doesn't have to um and then he's saying no i'm your friend as they tear him to shreds yes i just went i i said this is this is terrible this is <laughs> this is going to end this is not going anywhere that i liked to see this film go yeah so I got this in a package uh, with, I think, three other zombie movies. It came in a little group package of zombie flicks. And uh, similar to you, I'd be about five or ten minutes into this, and I'm like, okay, this is not going to be good. Then I'd flip it over, and i say, okay, it's 85 minutes long. What's the thing in this movie? Though it's going to be this one scene that's going to present itself that's deemed it worthy of its cult significance. 
Kept on waiting for that scene, right? I kept on waiting for that scene. It, it never came. <laughs> it didn't. It's, it never came. There was, there were so many, that's the thing that was so, like, it's, okay, you knew very quickly, it's like, okay, you've just got a bunch of, you know, obnoxious hedonists who showed up, and they're going to get punished by the, the living dead. It's like, so you don't have to think too hard about this film, but... There's just, and it's it's partially like the bad dubbing as well, because, you know, you get that feeling that, man, whoever they paid to do this translation, or, like, how did they come up with some of these lines? Uh, it's like, there was one exchange. Well, I've got all these exchanges that I ended up having to just throw away because there was too many of them to <laughs> deal with. But it was, uh, there was, and I don't, sorry, I didn't keep a list of the characters' names because ultimately... They're, it doesn't, they're it not doesn't important. Matter. They're not important. But uh, two guy and a girl are exchanging this conversation. I hope we're going to leave the dead alone. I had a terrible dream last night. Janice, calm down and let's go outside. Okay. Yeah. Where? Yeah. You what? know what I respect there? The writing. <laughs> <laughs> now, again, something is being lost in the translation, but there's no love being put into this at all. They're not trying. <laughs> no, they're not trying to, I don't know, tell a story even. It's just, and moving on, let's get to the, you know, the death. We need to have boobs. We need to have uh, slow, slow zombies with their weird still face masks. It's one of the differences you'll see in a lot of the Italian zombie movies. The the faces seem to be static. They're all like just still masks, uh, whereas they're a little bit more lively. <laughs> well, that was another thing that was annoying me early on uh, in when the zombies started showing up. Because I'm going, okay, there's black mesh covering their mouths. It's like they're wearing a mask that's a full face mask. And I'm going, how frightening can a monster be that actually doesn't have a mouth? Yeah. It's like, now, later on, see, and there was another point where I thought that, I was going, this obviously doesn't have a big budget, and they did a zombie kill where they didn't show anything, hmm. and I went, oh, they've got no budget for, like, headshots, apparently. And then later on in the film, they started, you know, crushing zombie heads, and I went, oh, well, okay. Fair enough, they but did have a bunch. They would do that, but you could tell that these were things shot separately. You'd see the guy firing the weapon, and then you'd, you know, it would cut to an extreme close-up of a, you know, a squib going off in the gut of one of the zombies. It looked in a different room entirely sometimes. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't very effective. It felt know, slapped together. <laughs> and uh, honestly, I think the thing that gives the film its reputation is the incest angle. <sighs> You're welcome. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Michael or the freaky eyeball kid as yeah. he became. Known. Of course, they couldn't get a, a little kid to play such a role, so he's just played by a, 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 an actor who was. Uh, I don't know if he's a uh, dwarf or what the, what the significance of he, He's just a small, small guy. And he, he looks. He doesn't really look like a kid. He doesn't really look like an adult. He just he's creepy before he's even supposed to be creepy, but uh, oh, it's I I I hated him like <laughs> from the very first time he appeared on the screen. I went, oh, that's just wrong. Something like, about him screams danger. It is like it's not this kid is, and frankly though, it was perfect for the angle they went with that character in the you know in the film. It's that you know the attached to his mother, jealous of the you know the sexy boyfriend that she had, and. <laughs> 
continuing to want to breastfeed at, I don't know, how old was he, nine, ten, something like that? I don't know what they were going for, but yeah. It was just, like, you had, it was one of those, oh no, you're, ooh. They're really going there. He's really going to put his hand in his mom's gear. Oh, dear God. Okay, yeah, we were talking about Michael and his, uh, his over-interest in his mother. <laughs> yeah, it was just, it was just creepy. It was a, a an additional little thing that just made there was no way to be sympathetic to for any of these people. That's why it was so it was satisfying to see them all dead at the end. It's like you needed them. There was not a redeemable character in the in the whole movie. Um, but I wasn't horrified by their fate either. They didn't deserve their fate. They weren't being killed because they had personally done something wrong. They were just the nearest people in the neighborhood. The fact that they happened to be these shallow, you know, <laughs> idiots well, <laughs> was just a bonus, really, I guess. But the thing is that you can say that like any Friday the 13th movie, mm-hmm. that like the kids that end up getting butchered don't necessarily deserve, you know, that it's like, yeah, they're, you know, their sex crazy, you know, they, they get punished because, like, that's the underlying theme. Yeah. But if you're the sixth group uh, to go to that same campground and get <laughs> get killed for acting like a bunch of buffoons, I think you should take personal responsibility, partial responsibility yeah. for that. At least, it's, yes, yeah, so it was our choice to spend our weekend here. It's like, yeah, so. we thought it would be fun. Yeah, no. But something else that bothered me about this one is that, you know, that there's the zombie genre has different, you know, Certain filmmakers do the slow zombies or the fast zombies. Like, you know, fair enough. Like, that's each approach has its strengths and weaknesses. Um, The tool using zombies that was that was new. I can't say that I've seen that before. And you know, throwing spikes to pin people's hands to walls. Yeah, see, this is going to a different sort of whole sub sub series of (laughs) uh, zombie movies. Where they're like, uh, they're zombies of like old masons, uh, and uh, they're 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 good with tools and instruments, or they're like they're zombie knights type of deal. Like they're they they still have high combat skills. Uh, that sort of got was less popular. Sort of the Romero sort of mindless gonna eat you zombies kind of took over the popular space of this. Um, it didn't particularly bother me that they used tools and weapons in this. It did bother me that it seemed that their victims were willing participants in it. <laughs> um, guy will empty his gun. He'll sh- slowly, you know, go fire bullet after bullet into these zombies. Well, that's nothing. I guess I'll just lie down, <laughs> and then they'll tear my guts out of me. Like, uh, <laughs> I didn't see any fight. The the woman you're talking about with the tools, she gets, like, a, a spike thrown through her hand, and it pins her to the wall. And then they slowly bring this huge scythe up to take off her head. And all she has to do to avoid being beheaded is move her head back a few inches. It, it seems like she obliges them. <laughs> you know, like, I'm just going to wait here as you slowly decapitate. Yeah, according to the script, this is where I get my head cut off. So I am not going to fight that. But, you know, it's... And things like, you know, they used a battering ram to get through the door. Uh, they, you know, it's... Power tools. It was just... <laughs> It seemed strange. Again, again, I haven't seen that particular subgenre of zombie movie before, so it just felt a little bit. It wasn't in my experience. Well, so I don't advise that. you to explore the Italian zombie films. Like, arguably, like this is considered one of the better of them. I think, arguably, the the 
you know, big ones would be like House by the Cemetery and uh, Zombie, which is actually a sequel to the Argento cut of Dawn of the Dead. And that's mainly famous because a shark and a zombie have a fight in it. That sounds awesome! <laughs> yes, well, another day, another day. But uh, for the most part, they are like this or worse. Um, I would say this is a fairly typical uh, entry into that sort of spaghetti zombie <laughs> uh, subgenre, and uh, I'm not a fan at all. Well, and something that seems strangely ironic or just annoying, maybe, uh, was one of the characters during the height of the zombie attack, they're talking about going to the armory to get, and I went, oh, okay. good call. Good call. Except this isn't a castle. They're in like a, an Italian villa, which is an odd thing to have an armory in, but okay, I'll buy it. And then the guy comes back and he's got a single knife that never gets used. Nope. And I went, Where's the morning stars? Where's the maces? You know, it's where. What kind of an armory did you did you were you talking about? What else was in the armory? Your nail file, <laughs> like. Well, and and then to bring a knife back and not use it, and then not even use it. I just thought, oh, that's just. If there's any magic to this movie, it's that eighty-five minutes could seem this long. <laughs> I really, really had a hard time. And when I saw you pick the list, I was like, that's an interesting title, that's an interesting title. We can have a lot to say about that. When I saw Burial Ground, I'm like, sorry, Rick. <laughs> sorry, buddy. No, and I there, am. I'm sorry, dude. <laughs> yeah, there's not much more to talk about. It's just... Yeah. Agreed. I was just talking about how uh, Asian cinema has been getting a reputation for being good at, better at scaring its audience than, than a lot of other people or cultures or whatever you have it. Um, and the French are getting a similar reputation. Films like uh, High Tension and Frontiers and Martyrs and uh, there's these really hard to the wall, brutal French thrillers yeah. coming out. Um, this is going to go, this film we're going to talk about, They Came Back, or The Revenants, uh, is taking it in a completely different direction. Yeah. Is it about people coming back from the dead and uh, on a global scale? or Well, I guess not on a global scale in this story, but on a mass scale? Yeah. Yes, it is. But we're not going to see anybody's guts getting ripped out. We're not going to see any sort of bizarre cannibalistic behavior. Nope. Not too many people getting shot in the head. What we are sort of treated to is a, sort of a philosophical, meditative, how would we really, uh, politically, yeah. sociologically, <laughs> uh, uh, culturally adapt to something this crazy. And there is an added, maybe Twilight Zone-ish twist that mm -hmm. the people who come back don't seem 100% who they were. Yeah. They're not not who they were, but they're not. But they're who not they quite they what they were before. Um, it's also they got this weird sort of pastel color scheme, as you can see. Just I've got the DVD in mm -hmm. my hand, but a lot of sort of dull, drab whites and grays, and a lot of cold clinical environments, yep. cold office interiors, and hospital hallways, and people grieving in rooms that 
were designed for them to grieve in. (laughs) Uh, So it's different. It's a different movie. But is it different good or different bad? I guess that's the question I'm going to pose to you. What did you think of They Came Back? This is where I start. This is the first film I watched. Interesting. So it was um, a very, very... Yeah, it was was an interesting place to start. It was a nice, um, sort of sedate... Uh, move in to to the whole thing because I were I watched most of these in one weekend. Oh wow! It was intense and a lot of fun. <laughs> Good. Um, yeah, this is this is another thinking movie. This is cerebral. It's very cerebral. Um, it's what do I call this? An an intelligent, canny look at humans as the monsters. An emotional look at the living dead plucks the heart of how we treat each other, and uh, no one um, actually understands anyone else. I I see that. I see that. <laughs> <laughs> Things that I will say I like about the movie, or where I want to start yeah. talking about it, is the moment of reunion that we have between people, and we mm-hmm. see. Husbands reunion with wives, uh, parents with children, and and most tauntingly, a a child to his mother being returned, and them sort of noticing the subtle differences, and them being at once so excited and relieved that this dream that they want this loved one back has come true, but at the same time horrified, because this is not how it works. When you're dead, you're dead. And we can all pretend that it's okay, and this is just an event that we can deal with, but... This should be crazy. This is is a crazy situation, and everybody is kind of pretending that it isn't. Yeah. Sounds sort of like rich, like, philosophical bed to build your movie on. I almost fell asleep describing that to you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's, yeah, it's, um... It's very slow paced. It is. It is very languidly it's, paced. It takes all of the time it wants. <laughs> I don't I like. Again, <coughs> part of it is that I, I, maybe you're watching, I, or you'd be watching six movies at once. I'd seen it before, and mm-hmm. I did revisit it, and uh, I was trying to find things to like. Because yeah. to be honest, I got it because it was a French zombie movie, yeah. and I watched it, and I wasn't a big fan. But I thought, okay, I need to revisit it because this isn't your typical zombie movie so maybe what my expectations going into it Mm -hmm. were such that i didn't give it a fair shot now knowing what i'm getting into which i did this time around i'm just gonna ease on into the bathtub here adjust (laughs) to the temperature of the water and 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 see what comes up right uh I still find it, it does reek a little bit of fromage to me. I, you know, you could give a high fives all around for trying something here, yeah. but the same sort of non-answers that we were sort of, in a way, applauding in Atelty Sisters nagged away at me at yeah. this. Everybody's kind of underreaction to what was going on. Mm-hmm. I would say if I didn't have an immediate loved one, if I was lucky enough that I didn't have an immediate loved one who was resurrected, I would probably be fleeing that city out of sheer terror just because clearly something bad is going to happen. And again, spoilers, eventually something bad does happen. But it's this weird sort of organized, calculated, I don't know, terrorist action? It's like a distraction. 
almost. They they set off some bombs so that they can quietly slip away while everyone's distracted, maybe? Is that what they were going for? I think that's what they were... Yeah, that's what they do, and... That does raise the problem of why they don't just slip away. Well, and it doesn't answer the question of how would you solve this problem. No. Because I think here's the really frustrating thing. Uh, I think, like, there are movies that are bad, and I can just stand here and hold my nose and say, that was a weak performance, that was a bad idea, this was a poor execution. This wasn't badly acted, I don't think. I don't think it was particularly badly directed. And I think there were some interesting ideas. So it was one of these really torturous movies where I can see the ghost of this really yeah. good, interesting movie in front of me, but uh, it's not that. And because it's not that and so close to being that, yeah. it kind of pisses me off. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's not fair. Maybe that's no, not fair. I, I think we all have that reaction all the time, like, especially us, you know, theater people and actor people, like people who, who create media. Yeah. It's, where you can see what needed to be tweaked. It's I appreciate challenging art though, you know, and mm-hmm. this is definitely that. This is giving to your gorehound audience, the people who are gonna line up, you know, for <laughs> Saw Three or whatever, you know. They're gonna say, Yeah, you choke this one down. Yeah. We're gonna dare you to think while you watch a horror movie. So I would have given it a lot of passes if there was and tell me if I'm wrong, Ashley. Oh. Even one scare in the movie. No. There there are no... There is no fright in this movie. There's... It's... I don't have to have violence. I don't have to have, like, you know, the, the big global apocalypse. Yeah. I don't need a lot of death and destruction even necessarily. But if it is a horror movie, if that's what you're selling yourself as, I want to believe at some point you're attempting to be scary. Yeah. No, I, I think... I think they're going for, you know, a little bit of the creep factor, a little bit of the, you know, with the uh, the government military industrial complex sort of started to round these people up and start, like, yeah. look, have control of them. Um, but I feel like I've seen that other places, and I feel like I've seen it done better. Yeah. It reminds me of, and have you ever seen a film called, and ostensibly they're very different, but have you ever seen a film called Southland Tales? No. (laughs) Okay. It's a very, very bizarre movie. This guy who directed Donnie Darko did it. Okay. Apparently it's based off of a graphic novel. But what the two of these films to me have in common is that they, right out of the gate, start world building. This is the world. It's sort of like our world, but everybody looks a little bit pastel and grayed out. And everything's a little bit softer and a little bit slower and a little bit more sedate. Sounds like everybody's on a Valium in this world at all times. And that's the pace that we're going to run at. And they set up that out of the gate, and that's fine. And then they just keep on world building. This is this corner of the world. This is the people who are basically the CDC or organizing, you know. How are we going to get these people to their homes? And then these are the people who are being reunited with them. We go and see them for a little while. And then we get some of the media coverage and some of the paranoia around this. And they're world building and world building and world building, but they're not telling a story. Yeah. And that's sort of the, what these two movies that are very, very different sort of had in common with me. Like it was like they went from semi quasi interesting scene and idea to interesting scene and idea. Yeah. But there's no story there. There's probably people out there that will really like this movie. I think that this is like a personal rubbing me the wrong way yeah. type of movie. Uh, uh, you know, 
some people like onions, some people don't. <laughs> uh, so uh, if I'm being too hostile or mean to it, I please want you to tell me so. Uh, and that's why I wanted to start with the positives, because yeah. I kind of knew once I got off the lead, I was going to get <laughs> the claws were going to come out, and yeah. I don't want to like smear it for you. So, uh, I mean, you were saying some nice no. things when you said... Um, <laughs> like I said, this is, this is where I start, and I think I enjoyed it a lot more as the first movie of my weekend. It's definitely um, the shallow end of the pool for horror it, movies. Anyway. Very much so. I was like, oh, oh, I can I can wade through this. I was ready to swim oh yeah. well. Um, no, it's, it's it's an interesting concept and I feel like I've seen it other places. I feel like I've seen it done better. Um, Miracle Day, the Torchwood miniseries. Right, the Doctor Who thing. Yeah, everyone stops dying suddenly. And they, I think the way that that deals with it is a lot more realistic to how governments would deal with it and a lot more disturbing. Right. So, and again, yeah, I'm enjoying the zombie renaissance that is going on, Mm. and um, we've got three zombies in this one, we just had a zombie episode before this one (laughs) we're about to have, so I like a different zombie movie, and you know what, this definitely is that. If you want, if you're kind of sick of the glut of like, (laughs) paper cutter, you know, whatever, another of the same a group of survivors trying to keep it alive while they're uh, sieged by zombies movies, this is not that. Yeah. Um, I say that to a negative in in this case, but in my own way, applaud them for trying. Because, you know, they did something different. Yeah. I won't say anything. (laughs) (laughs) I won't say that they weren't trying something there. It just was not for me. Mm -hmm. But there's some guy out there with a sharp goatee and, like, like an earring who thinks this is brilliant. Yeah, (laughs) you you, you brew your coffee and you, you know, cut up your little cheese plate and you you sit down in a, like, mildly darkened room and you will enjoy this movie. Uh, And (laughs) it's a horror movie, quote-unquote, you can take home to grandma, really, in a lot of ways. If you wanted to watch a horror movie with somebody who wasn't into horror movies, this this is one of them. I don't know if that's a compliment either. (laughs) It would be, be, you know, a a not bad way to introduce them to the kinds of concepts that you're going to hit in more zombie movies and, you know, more intense horror movies. It's, yeah, if, if you came across it on television, you wouldn't peg it as a horror movie. Yeah. I mean, for me, I guess file it under interesting. I still have a hard time recommending it, yeah. but I know that it's personal to me. <laughs> so uh, at the same time, I don't want to. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, I think you know, I would, I would recommend it. I wouldn't strongly recommend it. I'm not going to run around going, "Have you seen this? Have you seen this? Have you seen this?" Because it's well. We'll see. It's not going to rank high for me. <laughs> it's not going to be in the top top three. So.
Okay, well, let's let's move on to something that I, I'm I'm guessing we're going to have some more common ground on. Um, in 1982, the world was introduced to a director named Sam Raimi, <laughs> and an actor named Bruce Campbell, and and movies would just not be the same again. I would argue. Uh, God, did is it Bruce Campbell look like an absolute goober? Oh yeah, back then. Like, how old was he? I don't, I couldn't say. I but. think he was like. Maybe early twenties or something like that. Wet behind the what ears. A, they all were. What a goober-looking guy! <laughs> this is a movie made for no money on weekends by a bunch of friends. And for how long? How long did they were they doing this? Like they were still shooting shit, <laughs> like months upon months later. Yeah. Um, and uh, there's interesting people working behind the scenes. In fact, uh, Joel Cohen of the Cohen Brothers was brought in and did some editing on the film. They were friends, and, uh, you know, I think they, they actually lived together. There's a whole circle of people in the early 80s living together who would grow up to be A-list Hollywood, you yeah. know? Francis McDormand, the Coen brothers, Sam Raimi. Academy Rain. Award winners. Yeah. Uh, top box office grossing movie of that year. Yeah. But at this time, they're all, they're in their sort of... Nobodies. Yeah, they're nobodies. They don't have money. They don't have power. They can't just greenlight any movie. And this is college students, basically, making a movie. And you know what? It kind of looks like college students making mm -hmm. a movie. I would, yep. I, I, I will defend a lot of things about this movie, but the acting is not that strong. <laughs> and uh, some of the production value is really good, and some of it's not... <laughs> Sam Raimi's camera work, as always, is really cool, and that's where the movie really kicks ass. It's sort of in the technical level, the the long tracking shots through the woods, the infamous scene where a woman is sort of attacked nice. and violated by the yes. trees themselves. Um, I don't, I don't think he actually um, his camera work per se was where it developed into, like, like. For instance, with the sequel to yeah. this, right? What what I the most interesting thing about this movie for me is the pacing, for one thing, because they said themselves, you know, it was uh, uh, who was it, Tappert, and um, uh, Roger Robert Tappert as a producer. Anyway, they they all got together and they more or less just wanted to make a horror movie that they wanted to see, which meant go, yeah. go more again, faster, funnier, louder. And that's what they did. Uh, and I don't think as far as Sam Raimi uh, is concerned, I don't think he understood what he was doing. Oh, obviously he didn't, but at the same time, he just, he just threw stuff at the screen. You know, I don't think he, he understood just how entertaining this was going to turn into. Yeah. Also, there's that that comedic quality to it, which I don't think he was actually aware of at all. It's certainly the least of the Evil Dead movies. This is the least overtly funny. Oh yes, uh, yes. The the second movie <laughs> is quite funny, and oh, the third yes. movie is just frankly just a comedy. Ridiculous. It's a comedy. Yes, yeah, you know. Uh, but. Uh, I guess the plot for this movie, which we haven't mentioned, and if you're into horror movies and you haven't seen Evil there, Dead... There was a plot. Yeah. If you're into horror movies and you haven't seen Evil Dead, I, I just... I, I don't know what I can say to you, but uh, 
a bunch of friends go to a cabin in the woods and they find a forbidden book and read from it and bad shit starts to happen. That, that is, that is the movie. That is the movie. But you, but you know what? If you hadn't have said that and you just, and you just say to people, just watch the movie. Yeah. Then by the end of it, everyone would have watched it and go, oh, what? Boing. And then they'd go, wait a minute. There was nothing to that. They didn't do anything. They just, and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Another I think, I, 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 sorry, the, the thing about this movie is that it's just entertaining. Mm-hmm. That's it. It will hold your time. It's 85 minutes long. It gets in, it gets out. Yep. Um, like I say, the acting is not good, but usually for people who have an appetite for these movies, you're going to have to, you know, have oh. built up a bit of a... <laughs> I have seen far worse. Yeah. Uh, in far worse. So uh, If there's a problem to the movie beyond its sort of low production values. Uh, I think it's something that actually gets aped in the second movie. Mm-hmm. It's the repetitive nature of this movie. Something happens and they all, either a couple of the characters or all of the characters, slowly walk towards this mysterious thing and then something goes boo. And then some other mysterious event happens and they all go slowly walking in a different direction and something goes boo. I mean, this happens oh, over and over and over again. <laughs> I mean, we, we always we always know this. We see this all the time, you know, because there we are and we're watching a box and we're watching the action on it, right? And then they're like walking, you know, and obviously they can't see anything off the frame mm-hmm. when obviously there's this gigantic, you know, maniacal whatever the <laughs> hell it is. And it's like, oh, wait a minute, it was right there. The camera just turned after that. And it's like, how could you have not have seen that? Yeah. And we see that over and over again. With this film, you don't care. Because no. it's just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hot gore on them. Let's go. <laughs> it's to get possessed. It's interesting what you were saying about how Sam, Sam Raimi likely didn't know quite how potent a film that he had mm-hmm. here. And that it would really, you know, mm-hmm. people are still talking about it years and years, decades yes. later. Yes. Um, I think that's true of a lot of these low-budget, made-by-friends horror movies. Like... I don't think the people who made the Texas Chainsaw Massacre really knew that they were making a classic. I don't think George Romero believed he was making a classic when he made Night of the Living Dead, no. but they did. Yeah. I think that part of the the thing when you're making a classic is that you can't go into it going, I'm making a classic. <laughs> and I mean, that, getting back to the acting, yeah. you look at all of those movies, the ones that you just said, mm-hmm. well, it's virtually non-existent. Yeah. They got their friends to do it, pretty much. And monster movies are great for that. Just your classic monster, you know, eating and and ripping and whatever. And it's like, yeah, the 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 acting. No, you're a you're this, you know, carbon based bipedal thing, and you are there specifically to get torn apart. (laughs) That's the only. There's your direction. You have to remember the name of the other character and call out their name at an inappropriate time. And yell. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, I don't want to be too dismissive dismissive of the movie either because it does have a couple of really classic moments in it. I mentioned this scene where uh, one of the characters panics and she runs out into the trees. Mm -hmm. Boy, uh, was that dumb. Yeah. She pays for it rather badly. Yep. (laughs) Uh, Battered, beaten, violated by the trees, only to return back to the cabin. And become possessed by a demon. Yes. There's also an infamous scene in which a character is stabbed in the foot with a pencil. Now, 
Some of the special effects in this movie uh, arguably have not aged particularly well. They use the stop motion technique for sort of the demons falling apart. Oh, and it kind of reminds me that. of like... Loved it. It reminds me of like a Tim Burton stop motion stuff in like Beetlejuice or, mm-hmm. or, or the Pee Wee Herman uh, big adventure movie. Well, that well, Tim well, well did. The, the, the dude that did all the stuff back in the uh, 60s. I mean, the last... Harryhausen. Yes, yeah. the uh, Clash of the Titans. Yeah. Know. Um, and yeah, I don't think anyone's particularly fooled by those special effects no. <laughs> anymore. But again, they do the job enough. Uh, so much fun. It is. It is. It's. It makes more sense in a movie that is not taking itself seriously. And although there are some laughs to be had, I do think that Evil Dead takes itself seriously. It wants to be a horror movie, and it means to scare. Oh, sure, you. sure, yeah, sure. Um, and I mean, when they do put the effort into it, for instance, that which must have cost them. You know, that was probably the most them? expensive few seconds of yes. footage of the whole yes. film. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, obviously, when a demon, you know, or whatever disintegrates, he disintegrates in the most violent, goriest way possible. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Well, that no, was absolutely. awesome. Yeah. And if we don't have the, the uh, you know, quality acting and the, you know, rich production value that we're used to, at least, you know, they, they, bring, the, they bring the red. Mm-hmm. And I do think that the actors actually improve when they are possessed. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds really mean, but uh, the sound design is really important to all of the Evil Dead movies, but especially this one. And uh, characters who are just, their, their dialogue is just hurting me. Uh, even Bruce Campbell, who, I, I, I mean, I love oh, the yeah, man. Just, I, would, I would spoon him if he asked me to, you know. Yes, but uh, he's got some ridiculous, he, just... They're bad lines, but they're bad lines delivered badly. <laughs> yeah. you know, it's, it's really bad, like... Poorly delivered lines by a poor actor. Yeah. You know? I think at some point you have to be honest and say there are some pretty substantial creaks and groans to this mm. movie, uh, but it's still a good movie. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say the opening. Like if I didn't know this movie, right, mm-hmm. and the first 15 minutes, I'm like going, if wow, would I turn this off? <laughs> because it's like I don't even want to go any further with this. This is a colossal waste of time. And wow. Yeah, sometimes then after the fact, learning that it's like, wow, I can't believe I turned this off. No, sometimes you're rewarded by patience. Something so evil. We prayed it would never happen again. Now, from the theater of Evil Dead comes Evil Dead 2. Evil Dead 2 is a really interesting sequel in a lot of ways. You know, until I rewatched it, I honestly still believed it was it was a remake. I thought it was they got more money and slightly better ideas and decided to redo it. I didn't realize until I watched it again and went, "No, wait, this is it's this supposedly is a sequel. It's a sequel come remake, but uh Whereas the first movie, as low-budget and handmade as it clearly was, yeah. the intention was to scare you. Yeah. And that's the real big change, I think, for Evil Dead 2. Although when I originally saw it and I was in the single-digit age category, I found it quite horrifying. It's the fact of the matter is, the movie is pretty hilarious. It is. It is. Uh, yeah, I, I was reading up on it, and they, the at least the... the the blurb I read on Wikipedia or whatever was saying that 
they would have used footage from the first movie, but Raimi couldn't wrangle the rights from whoever he'd sold the movie to to right. use some of the footage. So basically they said, well, we'll just reshoot the start to explain why Ash is there in the first place. Yeah. And then they upped the ante and, and brought in that comedy element. It's silly because I don't know why they would even bother that much. You know, the movie is so over-the-top bonkers and ridiculous. Yeah. And seems, frankly, to care pretty little about plot. <laughs> uh, and I'm saying this in a complimentary way. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. You really can't speak bad of <laughs> Evil Dead 2. People that don't probably won't be either participating in or listening to your podcast. So. I think for me what makes this movie magic is that I, I think there was maybe a shared secret on, on set. This is just me inventing shit, but I feel like Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell knew they were making a comedy. And I feel like the rest of the cast, their performances are so straight, they're being so <laughs> earnest, that they figured, they saw the first Evil Dead and they figured this is a scary movie. And the straightness and the sort of wonkiness of yeah. those performances actually enhance things. Yeah. Then on top of that, you get the, you know, the slapstick Three Stooges physical comedy and the fantastic, frankly, special effects. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a winner. <laughs> I think, I think they could have kept something like that secret because so much of the comedy is in, is in the camera work and the direction and everything. Like just the, you know, the, the wild pans and the, and the crazy shots and everything. And I thought that's kind of where a lot of the, a lot of the humor comes from. Yeah. And that one, so. I sort of joking and slash complained when we were, when Terry Shaw and I actually reviewed Evil Dead that it is basically a series of people walking slowly down long dark hallways yeah. and then something goes boo. And this movie actually amps that like it actually sort of makes fun of that conceit yeah uh, because as often as not there's either no payoff or the payoff is like a joke yeah <laughs> yeah so uh other great creative choices uh this was in the like 1986 or 87 when the mpaa was going mm -hmm. crazy over horror movies sure and taking a you know scissors to them wherever they could the, the most victimized of this was of course the friday the 13th series but uh in order to get around this, because the rules were so specific and ridiculous, and they remain so to this day, instead of using red blood, they would use a different color of paint every time they used blood. So when you watch this movie, you got black blood, you got green blood, you got weird, like, almost turquoise-colored blood. Uh, the, the, the blood fountains shooting out of the walls seem to randomly change color. I don't think I ever knew that. That's and interesting. You go with it because, you know, you just take what's coming with this movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's moving too quickly for you to really stop and smell the roses. Uh, why does the possessed person have bright green blood yeah. because he's a possessed, possessed person. Because, yeah, of course. <laughs> That's, That's what all happens. it means. That's what happens when you get possessed. <laughs> you get Kool-Aid green blood. <laughs> whatever, whatever we added into the corn syrup today, that's what you got. <laughs> uh, and everybody loves uh, Bruce Campbell, and I think this yeah. movie is one of the big, big reasons why. I think that the infamous battle with the hand before it is severed, uh, where he's in the kitchen and, and battling himself, is up there for me for some of the best physical comedy I have ever seen. It really period. is. It really is. It's <laughs> yeah. It's it's right up there with pretty much any of the other big, like your. I would I'd stack it against your Three Stooges or your Jim Carrey or whatever you want in between. Like it's very like it's very earnest. It's very. There's, I don't know. There's yeah. two bits there. Where, where one point where he flips himself, which I laugh out loud yeah. almost every time. 
And then the scene where he renders himself unconscious. Like he, <laughs> he, he hits himself in the head with a bottle so hard that the body loses consciousness, but the hand is still going like crazy. And I just, it's so brilliant. Like, uh, wow. And apparently in order to get a lot of shots to work, he's doing a lot of this in reverse. Um, this is again pre-computer effects. Yeah. So there's a, a lot of technical issues that he's dealing with yeah. on top of just the difficult of the physical performance. Yeah, so, that's something that's going to crop up in some of the other ones too. Is is special effects or, or, or CGI versus practical effects? And and I think this one was, yeah, it was pretty fantastic what they put together. Who who did all the special effects for that one? Like I, that's something I never thought of. It's probably one of those names um, that we've seen. Greg Nicotero, who yeah. is the biggest name in makeup effects right now. Basically, yeah. after, you know, uh, Savini's sort of stopped doing special effects. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, you know, the, what's it, Stan Winston passed away. Mm -hmm. I think K&B effects are, are the number one. Greg Nicotero's first movie uh, was like Day of the Dead, mm -hmm. which has the greatest prosthetic effects of pretty much any movie you'll ever see. There's a lot of problems there, but it's not the special effects. No, no. That <laughs> uh, scene, when I think of terror scenes, just that one where the soldier's being pulled in half, yeah. still creeps me out. Every It gives me a little bit of a chill every time I watch it. And I know it's fake, but man, it's really <laughs> creepily well done. Uh, the hag in the basement really got to me when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, the scene where he, you know, he goes up to the shed and says, we got to go carve us a witch. <laughs> and he has to cut open the trap door and yeah. go down into that basement. Uh, I remember just being terrifying when I when I first saw that movie, and uh, it's so ridiculous and crazy. And uh, would it be would it be less terrifying now if if you know knowing that it's Ted Raimi who I didn't realize either behind the makeup on that one? No. Another shocking fact that I just never cottoned on to before. I thought that was fantastic. There's little details too. There's on the side angle of her screaming face when she's hanging upside down. Pus is dripping out of her ear. <laughs> you know, it's the little things. It's the little things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we didn't really discuss the plot, but much like the first Evil Dead movie, and much like we discussed at the beginning, there isn't much of a plot. A bunch of people go to a cabin, read from a book that they shouldn't, and yeah. evil shit starts to happen. Yeah, and then they kind of die, and then more people show up, and they do basically the same thing, and the same thing happens again. Yeah. The cast is largely lambs for the slaughter. Yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> although I do like some of the character characterizations, particularly the two, quote, hayseed characters, yeah. Bobby Joe and... Uh, Jake. Jake, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I really did enjoy that. They really seem to embrace the material. Uh, and, uh, yeah, like I say, that, that female lead... Um, Oh, I wrote all this down. Did you, Sarah Berry, I'm going to say? Uh, li, uh, the one playing Annie. Yeah, Sarah Berry. Yeah. Uh, I don't think she comes off particularly well in this movie, but again, I think she's playing it straight. Yeah. When she has to deliver lines like, help us, you filthy coward, you know, <laughs> she's not amping it for camp value. She's actually really trying to deliver that line. Yeah. Like nobody ever would. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, um, it's a cult classic, and it's a cult classic for a reason, and uh, I think it's going to rank high on the list for me, um, which was interesting, because this was a tough bunch of movies to rank. Uh, it is. There's um, The way I looked at it, and I kind of spoke to you about it before here, is, is when I looked at the list, 
I kind of found Evil Dead 2 to be in the middle, and that's no slight against the movie. It's it's kudos to the people that I think did even that built on it and did even better sort of a thing. It's uh, but yeah, to figure out which which ones to go above and which ones to go below it is I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm during this discussion I may still change <laughs> a couple of places here, okay. but uh, I got a pretty pretty well lo- uh, locked down there. Well, uh, is there anything else you want to say about Evil Dead 2? There's not much more to say. Uh, Evil Dead 2 is, is, is Evil Dead 2, and we've seen it, and we all love it. It's given you uh, the greatest hits package. I'm sure most people who are halfway into horror movies know about <laughs> this film. Um, yeah, I think it is my favorite of the franchise. I think I do like More it. than Army of Darkness. I do, uh, for me personally. Yeah. It was the first one that I saw, and it was, uh, you know, an accessible, imaginative horror movie for me, even yeah. when, in my too young an age. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, maybe part of it is personal nostalgia. But uh, I do think um, it's the it's the most... It's the best crystallization of, of Sam Raimi's Evil Dead world, yeah. to my mind. Yeah. Uh, because once you move on to Army of Darkness, I feel it's like full-on comedy. Yeah. I do think there's still a little bit of edge and gore and, and stuff in, in Evil Dead 2. Yeah. Uh, although the focus is the comedy, the, the gore and the scares are still there. Yeah. Once you go to Army of Darkness, you know, it's just yeah. it's, keep a it smile on your face comedy. and eat your popcorn. No, Evil Dead 2 is still, at heart, a horror movie. It's just people having the most fun you can. In an age of darkness. May God have mercy upon your souls. Something's wrong. Something's amiss. And a time of evil. When the world needed a hero. This one was souls. I don't want to die. What it got was him. Groovy. You know your shoelace is untied. He's a 20th century guy. For that arrogance, I shall see you dead. Trapped in the Middle Ages. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. This is my boomstick. Now, let's talk about how I get back home. Foretold by a mystical book. Within its pages are passages that can send you back to your time. Forewarned by a wise man. You must recite the words, Klaatu, Berata, Niktu. I got it, I got it. Fulfilled by a wise guy. Klaatu, Berata, Niktu. When they spoke the words, the army of the dead awoke. <laughs> now, he's got a date. Give me some sugar, baby. With the army of darkness. You found me beautiful once. So what year did Army of Darkness come out? I want to say 91, 92, something like this. When you got the DVD in front of you. got it in front of me. There's a standard location for the date to be. <laughs> 92. 1992. Yeah. In the year of 1992, the world was introduced to Army of Darkness. And this is a film that precious few people bothered to go see in the theaters. It was considered something of a bomb when it was released, but I'm sure has made more than its money back in video sales as a new version of it seemed to come out every six or nine months when, you know, people still bothered to do things like sell DVDs. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We just talked about Evil Dead the last episode, and uh, Terry and I both agreed it was a good movie. I think Terry liked it a lot more than I did, but... uh, what we had with Evil Dead was basically a bunch of friends in their early 20s and student filmmakers making a horror movie. And uh, you fast forward 10 years or so, 
and Army of Darkness has Sam Raimi, who's had a lot of uh, big features under his belt already, returning to the the franchise that made him, and this time pulling out all of the stops and largely removing all of the horror. Um, possibly. Well, I do remember Evil Dead. I found genuinely frightening. It's a genuinely disturbing. Yeah. And Evil Dead Two, as much as it's aping Evil Dead One. Has all of the tropes that you'd expect. It's got boo moments. It's got, mm-hmm. it brings the red. It's uh, the tone of it is dark, even though there's a lot more laughs than jumps. But I think that this is the one where they officially went. We're making a comedy. Well, that said, and I may be alone in this. I found several scenes in this genuinely disturbing. Really, genuinely frightening. I know it. It may not be horror enough for you, but. There's just something about this movie, and I don't quite know what it is, that, that genuinely frightens me. Um, for instance, the scene where he's in the graveyard, and these skeletal arms are coming and grabbing him. Now, they're poking out his eyes like the Three Stooges mm-hmm. and all that. And the sound effects help to And the sound that. effects, but at the same time, they're skeletal arms reaching out from the grave to pull him <laughs> down. You know, and things like that. Um, so basically, the story is... is uh, at the end of Evil Dead 2, our hero, Ash, played by the immortal Bruce Campbell, mm-hmm. was sucked into a vortex that he'd, he'd uh, opened uh, using the Book of the Dead to suck the evil away. Unfortunately, it also sucked him into it, and he has found himself uh, either in a parallel dimension or way back in history. Uh, we're at the age of the you know knights and... Uh, <laughs> the Dark Ages, yes. Yeah, it's... it's, it's we're not really sure exactly where we are. It's sort of a funny, cartoony world, but uh, yeah. he has shown up from our modern world with his boomstick and his chainsaw, and it turns out his coming was foretold by prophecy. <laughs> and unfortunately, as he thought he'd just finished dealing with the evil, Ash's battle had only just begun. And that's largely where we begin, with the Army of Darkness, uh, He's fallen out of the sky, he's been taken prisoner by a bunch of knights, and uh, he's trying to orient himself to his new situation. Uh, M. Beth Davids plays his love interest in the movie. I think it's interesting that I think she had two movies this year that, that came out. She did uh, Army of Darkness and uh, Schindler's List. Uh, hmm. Two more different movies I don't think you could probably come across. <laughs> um... <laughs> Uh, she does good work, but again, uh, she is definitely playing the damsel in distress role. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, where this movie works completely for me is that it's Sam Raimi in his wheelhouse doing his thing. The camera work is tremendous. The monsters are amazing. Yeah. Uh, they completely let fly with the juicy one-liners for Ash. Uh, and uh, he does what he does. I think this is the most quintessential Sam Raimi movie that I can think of. Probably, And he yeah. wouldn't come anywhere close to this again for years. It won't, wouldn't be till Drag Me to Hell that I saw Sam Raimi really, you know, going back to his <laughs> horror roots and embracing them fully. That's right. And anything else? Yeah, I can't even think of what's in between, but those, that's, that's another frightening horror movie. Um, this one, what I like about this one is, is the story is completely different from, from the... From Evil Dead One and Two, it's uh, removed completely. But yeah. the aesthetic is is very similar. It uses a, a, a similar color palette, and and the creatures are, are 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 similar. It still feels related to those movies, despite the fact being that rather than being like the Evil Deads were just a cabin in the woods essentially, mm-hmm. and you're battling demons. This one's in, in medieval times, and and uh, there's this 
They spent some money on Undead Army, yeah, yeah. and uh, and um, but but at the same time, he does deal with a similar kind of evil, like 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 I mean, skeletons grabbing him, and then uh, facing evil Ash, and uh, oh, I think uh, that would have been the only scene that came close to quote scaring me or disturbing me when the evil Ash pulls out of his own body. I believe the first thing he sees is an eye popping out of the top of his shoulder, <laughs> looking right. out at him. And when, especially when you don't know what's going on, the first time you see it, you're like, what is this? We have not seen this before. But really, this movie seems like a series of set pieces and, and wacky gags. Uh, Which I'm okay Barely with. <laughs> strung together into a, a, a story. Yeah, and, 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 and another one is uh, the, uh, the, the little ashes that little he finds in the mirror. Again, I find that deeply disturbing, these, <laughs> these little miniature versions of himself. And well, everything that he meets is intent on hurting him. Yeah. Not just killing him. But hurting him. And they're using him to hurt him. Using him to hurt him. Because nothing else will kill Ash but Ash, apparently. Yeah, Uh, yeah. the little Ash sequence is is great. Uh, There's some pretty obvious blue screen work, but I find it charming. Some people will roll their eyes at it, but if you're the kind of person who likes to roll their eyes, I would encourage you not to watch Army of Darkness, because this movie only wants to make you laugh and uh, and be silly and fun. Yeah. And you got to go with that, or you're not going to enjoy yourself. Yeah, and it is one of those ones that, that doesn't that doesn't wink at the camera. This is this is all played, I mean, as, nope. as much as a frantic comedy can be played straight, it plays it straight. Yeah. Uh, even the you know the the the, uh, the skeletal army um, stop motion effects for that rather than I mean pr- maybe done out of necessity, but f- it feels like it pays homage to some of the some of the early stop motion special effects uh, like uh, Jason the Argonauts. Second kind of thing, thing, yeah. They're also just uh, two or three hairs more cartoonish than we've seen. I think, or they're getting closer to Muppet territory than we've been in the franchise before. I mean, there's some pretty crazy puppet stuff in, in Evil Dead 2, now that I've said that out loud. But, uh, yeah, there's a scene I remember where he's punching a skeleton and its head keeps spinning around, and then its head stops, but its eyes continue to spin. Like these little sort of Bugs Bunny and, like you were saying, Three Stooges moments. Um, again, it's firing on all cylinders. It's like a lean 80 minutes, and they're throwing as much one-liners and as much like crazy stuff at you as they possibly can. <laughs> and... Uh, Again, I think you get your money's worth. And I also think it's a movie that if you hadn't seen Evil Dead 1 or Evil Dead 2, if you were just out of the blue, you walked into this movie, I do think you would enjoy it. I don't think you would feel necessarily oh, lost. You know, <laughs> This more than any of the other ones in this series, maybe even the first, I think stands alone really well. Yeah, in, in that way, maybe they were smart to call it Army of Darkness instead of Evil Dead 3. Yeah. Or like I said, the much better title, Medieval Dead. Ooh, I don't like that. You don't like Medieval Dead? I don't like Medieval Dead. It's too oh, clever. It's too, oh, cute. it's too clever by half. Yeah. Oh, okay. But yeah, they did. It's... It, yeah, it's like I said before. There, it's a it's a different movie, but still still related. You can still tell that it's the same world, it's the same character, same universe. Uh, the Necronomicon is there still, um, the same aesthetic. Um, but yes, it's a good standalone movie as well. Just sort of the idea of, kind of the wacky that you get early, early in the movie. Um, Ash is drug, drug, good word, is dragged to this uh, castle. He's believed to be a member of a, a warring tribe, and they are going to throw him into this pit. And so we get an idea of what danger he's in. They throw uh, a red shirt into the pit first, 
and everybody, the entire crowd, all leans in simultaneously to look into the pit, and suddenly an incredible gorge, like huge fountain of blood, spews out more blood than could have been in any five people. <laughs> it's sort of like a throwback to Evil Dead 2 with the fountains of blood shooting out of the walls. Why is it there? Just because, man. Because you're watching Army of Darkness and they wanted to show you a geyser of blood. You can't overthink this. You just gotta have fun with it. <laughs> and I did. I did. Absolutely. In fact, there's not a movie in your list, and I think this is why it was a tough one to rank, that I didn't really, really like. Yeah. Like, not just like, but like a lot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. This is a solid list. This is a solid set of movies. So ends Festival of the Dead Part 1. This is a ranking review special clip show edition, and I am your host and random Canadian, Larry Parsons. If you have feedback to give me, I really welcome it. You can do so by writing rankandreview at gmail.com. That's R-A-N-K-N-R-E-V-I-E-W at gmail.com. Rank and Review can be found on iTunes and other podcast providers. You can find the show on Facebook and on Twitter. And if you could do me a favor and tell that other movie freak in your life about the podcast, I'd really appreciate it. The Festival of the Dead continues next episode.